The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Pure. The Pure app lets awesome people have casual sex tonight. Download Pure on Google Play or the App Store. Pure, the hookup app that says it's a hookup app. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the bad dads, daddy doms, and dudes named Dominic. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Woo! And I'm back, people. What's up? I am back from my podcation. Feels good. Hope you missed me. I do not have a tan. I enjoyed the time off. Uh, thank you all for bearing with me with slightly generic intros. But we had some great episodes. Wow, Jen, the happy ending massage episode. Oh, my God. And Jordan, it was a good month, people. It was a good month. Uh, If you're new to the show, this is a podcast where I typically talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, and love. However, this week's uh, guest is a special one. Got comedian John Field returning for a full-length man whore podcast. Uh, he, He did a bonus episode about his work in the porn industry month or so ago it's a it's a five dollar patreon bonus episode and he was so good i had to have him come back emails everybody Uh, i love getting your emails i love hearing from you one of my favorite things to wake up to uh is a is a new email a new fresh batch of emails from listeners or people who want to give me money that's also that also cheers me up in the morning uh this one comes from we're gonna call her the brown unicorn Hey, Billy, I decided to tell you about my past weekend. I am still on a natural high. I recently moved to a new state for work without any friends or family, and I haven't had sex in 10 months. Oh, my God, lady, what's going on? Uh, I am a sexy woman, I think. Uh, she included a picture at the in this email, and I will confirm she is sexy brown unicorn. There's no reason for her to go 10 months without some unless she wanted it, okay? I am a sexy woman, I think, and since I've been listening to your podcast, I've been toying with the idea of meeting someone on Craigslist. I decided to answer an ad for a couple who were looking for a unicorn. After some back and forth text and emails, I invited them to my place. Bold move, lady, bold move. So the experience was amazing. I licked the wife's pussy and I got to suck the dick of the husband until he came in my mouth. The husband fucked me so damn well. I hope they want to see me again. I'll keep you updated. Well, congratulations, brown unicorn on your threesome. Wow. Uh, I love hearing positive experiences of, of random acts of sexy times. I I did suggest to her, and I'll say it again, have you thought about using the Pure app? Okay, as you all know, it's my sponsor for the show. The Pure app is a a casual sex app for awesome people. It's specifically for hooking up with people that very night. Uh, No endless back and forth, no ambiguous intentions. So might I suggest next time trying the Pure app. There, I, I have seen couples utilize it where they'll put the picture of the couple in the app. So if they're looking for a man, then the woman uh, will post the couple picture. And if they're looking for another woman, the guy will post a picture of the two of them together. 
There's also the option now where uh, they do allow people to search for members of the same gender. So that's a cool update that the app has made. So congratulations again, Brown Unicorn. Uh, This next email comes from Ben. (coughs) Hey, dude, I know this might be kind of a weird question, and I realize the East Coast is a large place, but I'm hoping to move with my kids and my fiance to the East Coast. Wherever we go, we have to be somewhere close to Delaware. The problem we're running into is the culture. My fiance is from Delaware, and she's concerned that we won't be able to find open-minded people there and that I'll be miserable. We currently live in, insert, small suburban town name, which is a pretty decent-sized, pretty liberal city located about an hour and a half from Seattle. There's a pretty lively hippie population here, and since I started a weekly poly munch, we've been making tons of friends and enjoying the growing poly community. We're trying to find a decent place to live in Maryland or Virginia. I've been researching online, looking at meetups, Craigslist, Poly, and LGBT sites. I'm not getting much in the way of definitive information. I need to find a place where we will find plenty of open-minded people in our age group. But we also need to be able to get to Delaware in around an hour where my kids will be surrounded by accepting people and where it doesn't cost an arm arm and a leg to live. If you've traveled to any of these areas, I would be so appreciative for uh, some feedback from you regarding the vibes you might have picked up along the way. P.S. It's been so amazing to see the Man Whore Podcast grow and become more and more successful. Keep it up. Thank you, Big Ben. I'm just going to call you Big Ben. I have no uh, personal knowledge of your endowment. I've got got nothing. I know zero about the scene, quote-unquote, outside of New York City, if I'm going to be honest with you. So... Anybody, uh, anyone know of anywhere in Maryland, Virginia, or fuck it, maybe Delaware's got a lively swinger community. Who knows? Uh, If anyone out there uh, can give me some input, can give some suggestions to throw Ben's way, I would love to either connect the two of you or um, shout it out on the show if that's appropriate. Let me know. Uh, Shoot me an email at manwarpod at gmail.com. Let's set this couple up. Okay? Okay. On to uh, my guest this week, comedian John Field. John Field, um, fellow comic in New York City, he did a bonus episode a while back. He used to be a copywriter for porn sites. He used to like, you know those like silly descriptions under the porn videos? Yeah, that was him. Right? And, uh, And I wanted to have, he was so good. I wanted to have him back. He is... You know, going through a breakup, he, unlike me, uh, was the dumper. But we also covered, holy shit, just a wide range of topics. You know, uh, BDSM, rim jobs, and his experimentation with gender. The guy owns a few dresses, we'll say. And, uh, and, and towards the end, we do get into a bit of a deep... It starts as like a fun and funny and kind of sexy podcast. And it ends in a pretty serious discussion of identity politics. Uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with John, and I hope you all will too. So let's put on a dress with John Field. No, I was just trying to see if I could find it. It's, uh, yeah, and I had it. Let's see. Let me just look up tits. <laughs> then it would get like the file that it's in. Uh, and then one more. So these were the this was the captions that you would write underneath. This is the SEO spam I used to write. <clears throat> yeah, because you yeah. you gave us like an essence. Yeah. Of it. 
uh, you were given like an idea of the type of language, but you didn't have like specific examples. No, no. I just had what I always remembered as is like my default example of uh, of uh, these tits are real cum magnets. Of just like uh, one thing with the. Uh, but what if there were cum magnets? That would be beautiful. Wouldn't that yeah. be an interesting product? <laughs> just you know what i was thinking about is um people like i was reading like a, a message board thread about people having sex in space and people like everybody always wants to be like the most cynical person of like yeah cl- nobody said they had sex in space but clearly if you got a guy and a girl up there they're gonna start fucking but like what happens to the cum after you have sex in space and, like it's just gonna just imagine like you pull out of a girl and your cum comes out and just like starts floating towards like the control panel and then you end up crashing your spaceship like that's not she's like come on my tits like i'm yeah, trying yeah, yeah. <laughs> well even if you come inside of them it's going to come floating back out and that's know? why yeah. you need a cum magnet yeah to be able to get it and uh, and hold on to the sperm in space all right here's an example of some copy i wrote uh jesus man i'm embarrassed um <laughs> And some of the stuff, like, I have to. I was just trying to do my job. It's like, you know what? Nazis tried using that excuse, and we didn't let them off the hook either. You guys have been uh, rattling at our gates for a Molina Ross Latina sex tape. That's the SAO spam string of words. And so we consulted with our mathematicians and royal guards working at Reality Kings. You need royal guards, especially for that whole wacky, here's a link, Mad Thumbs mix up from nine months ago. And we came to you with the decision to finally release it we hope that you enjoy it because we happen to think that it is one of those works that we are really really proud of and if you don't like this melina ross latina sex tape then you might just hurt our feelings that, that one's melina <laughs> ross what was it latina sex tape used yeah, yeah over and over yeah that's yeah, just yeah, natural yeah. language yeah that's of how course I yeah normally speak about porn videos the the the, the man whore podcast sexpodcast.com I, I can't think of a way to seo this thing all right here's another one we all seen the hottie bisexual allura suite in her incredible debut on we live together now you can see this hottie on her very own round and brown video this chick really knows how to please a man her secret she tells us is baby oil baby oil more baby oil we're not complaining this chick man, I feel just bad looks- for the person who's just trying to find some baby oil <laughs> He's just we get cut into like the, <laughs> the the baby oil SEO or something. Yeah, yeah. He's like, look, uh, uh, look, John. If the the next few videos, can you try to help us? We're trying to capture that baby oil market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reality uh, King's <laughs> brand baby oil. It's just oh Jesus. <laughs> well, uh, everyone, I'm I'm here with comedian. I'm an author, really. An I author. Just, I should call myself that. <laughs> author <laughs> and comedian John Field. Yeah. Uh, who did a bonus episode? I think it was like last month or so. Yeah. About his work as a former copywriter for porn yeah for porn sites yeah and uh it was so good it's one of the it's one of the few bonus episodes where i felt guilty that <laughs> i didn't get to release it to everybody because this is so awesome and you should all go pledge five dollars on my patreon so you get access but if you can't afford that now i've got john here for a normal one for a whole bunch um right. of minutes that was a weird sentence it, it, it was <laughs> it's <was> very seo right <laughs> um Ah, so I, w- I wanted to have you back, and, and thanks for coming over. No again. problem. And it was a pleasure. It was a yeah, present. We hung out the other night. We went to go see Lewis Black. Yeah, yeah. And I found you were going through a breakup. Yeah, I broke up. It took me like three tries to break up. I feel like, I hope she doesn't listen to this. Um, 
it was like I, I broke. So up. I should not tag her. Yeah, I probably should. No, no. I follow her on Twitter, so I mean, oh yeah, she's a very fine woman who I respect a lot. And um, but but and then oh god. Uh, so in my story, in my version of the story, like it just like I went over to her place and I decided that like I just um, wanted to move on to uh, different pastures. And I'm like, all right, uh, uh, we should break up. And then like she's like, we did that. And then I stayed over her place and then she's like, well, we're going to go talk about this later. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That makes sense. You have like a post mortem for a breakup. Right. And then uh, we're going to meet that Friday. And I think I was either I was like really blown out and tired. So I moved it to the next week. And then I was like really sick, so she just came over to my place and took care of me, which is a horrible thing to do after. No, that's yeah, a bad ex, guy no, thing. Yeah, yeah. You do not have any friends to take care of you. Not who besides the ex. When you're sick, do you have people who take care of you? Or no, oh. but I don't know. Apparently, that's a thing people do. Anyways, she gave... also according to my my future ex roommate, I have no friends. So oh I'm yeah, not... yeah, yeah. You're, gonna be, you're bitter <laughs> about that. <laughs> I just thought it was so weird. Uh, uh, you can't because it's the weirdest thing to attack someone for. Yeah, I was because I, I was at the wait. It was on Facebook or <laughs> she did it on Facebook and to like to my face and all. Yeah, that. it's just a weird the accusation of you have no friends and I've been accused of this for you know well over a decade. Um, yeah, for like twenty years I've been accused of not having. Friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a weird thing to accuse someone of because either you don't answer and you let them think they're right. Yeah, and that you have no friends or. You're just like this weird guy when they say like, who are your friends? Who are your friends? Then you're just the sad person who's listing all of your friends. And like friends are and that's like, like a pathetic. It just sounds like a pathetic thing to do. As well as things is like there's like a couple of like three or so maybe like core things you could say to somebody that would just hit everybody in their heart. It's like something they always think because like friends are just such a nebulous like always Term. shifting thing. And yet we just talk about it in concrete thing. Like you can, I can say to anybody, like you don't have any friends. And I can also go up to somebody who's like, why don't you just grow up? <laughs> right. And then that gets you. Cause you thought that earlier today, you know, like why don't you just get your shit together? And, and, and people, it, it, it gets in your head. Cause and your no... father doesn't love you. Like those yeah, three yeah, things yeah. <laughs> to anybody will fuck up their day. Why don't you just stop trying so hard? <laughs> <laughs> just these like, oh. passive aggressive things yeah. you can say to somebody. Oh, I should use that on people. Just, just, just anybody. Just walking down the street. It's just like we can tell <laughs> they're universal yeah. negs. Yeah, yeah. How did that relate? It's another comic, right? Yes. And how did that start? Uh, I think we just messaged each other. We matched on Bumble, and then they messaged me. What do you do when you see people like other comics who you know on Bumble? Like, do you swipe right? Do you I always pretend swipe right, and if we fake? match, then I try to like shoehorn in. I'm like, ha ha ha, comedian match. Ha, ha, do you hit me. them up on Facebook or do you do it in the Bumble? I think now I'll hit them up on Facebook or just like show the picture. I used to just tag them on my feed, but like that's <laughs> I, I'm now self-destructive in other ways on Facebook. I kind of shifted the way I'm obnoxious and try to um, uh, stir up shit on Facebook. Cause, well, because you can't tell when you see people you actually know in real life if like if you match, if they did it just to be like, hey, I saw you, or if they were actually interested. Yeah. What? Uh, and what, So how long did you two date? Uh, me and the girl that we're dating, we were about three months. Um, okay, so that wasn't like... It that, wasn't, yeah. It wasn't long enough to require three breakups. No, no. I think I was That's just That's one breakup per yeah, yeah. month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. That it seems was, excessive. I think I just was, um, I think... It was that thing where, like, you, you say, let's break it off, but then you keep doing the same stuff you would do in a relationship. You're just, like, messaging each other all the time and, and, and 
uh, I guess, meeting up to a certain degree. And I'm like, well, this is just sustaining what this is. If this continues like this, it'll probably get messy. So let's break it off. And it's she, under- she took it pretty hard, it seemed. Uh, oh, well, I don't want to put her on blast. I think maybe she was. Well, the way you explained the last time, the, yeah, the yeah. third breakup. Yeah. I was like, whoa, poor. <laughs> What'd you say about? She said, can we just like, can you just come over and can we cuddle? No, like, no, 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 no. Like I, I, I went over to her place one last time, and um, I, I feel so bad. <laughs> Whatever, it's a podcast. Uh, I went over to her place one last time, and I, um, uh, I then we uh, made food together. I think I don't remember. And then we, so you just had a date. Yeah, we had a date and avoided having that talk. And eventually, we had the talk, and it went on. For a very long time, and then she's then it was basically a situation where, as I remember, it's just like let's just cuddle one last time, and then and then other stuff happened, and then, and then other stuff happened. Yeah, other stuff happened, like Parcheesi and, and Parcheesi and Monopoly and, and other SEO terms, other SEO terms. Uh, uh, hot big tits. <laughs> Does she have? I don't, I've actually never met her, so she, she's got respectable boobs. Respectable like, boobs. Respect, I respect all boobs. You know, John Field, respectful women. guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! That's always me at my work. I don't know about you, but like, just um, fucking my self image of me in any relationship is just like I'm just a garbage take machine. You know, I don't know about you. It just like. Just it's for me, it's like a sprint to whoever can hurt the other person first uh, is relationships, right? No, that's a horrible way to think. Of, that's not a mature way to think of. I, I would, yeah, I wouldn't think of that as the healthiest way. No, no, no. I don't go like I'm the garbage person. I just always think like, wait, you're way hotter than like you're always out of my league. And I, I haven't had a lot of girlfriends, but most of the people that I regularly sleep with or yeah. who I've dated seriously, I'm always like, why are you? With this, this is, I am like 20 pounds out of your weight class. Like, what is... Well, my issue is I'm really hot, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> oh, fuck. And I'm nice. motherfucker. And, and, and really intelligent. So, like... For all of you who can't see really... John, John's like Harvard hot. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah. He looks very well educated. I, uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> not true. But, like, it, but yeah. it's not even the way you dress. It's just the structure of your face looks like you had a really good college experience i had, I had another comic uh dave piccolmini uh described me as like a, a, a psychopath's idea of keeping it together <laughs> like, <laughs> like 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 i mean i look a lot like jeffrey dahmer for one thing uh like a lot of people compare oh, me to no. that. yeah and also it's just like what jeffrey dahmer would do in day to day it was just like all right i gotta act normal also get the whole gig's over i gotta act normal also whole gig's over and he's a psychopath so he doesn't really pick up on everything i mean i'm not completely crazy or um I think just I have a very intense stare and that kind of overshadows most of my relationships with people. It's just like I got like a creepy way of I, a lot of people. Uh, another comic, uh, a super gay one once says like, he's not, you're not, you're not creepy, but you look creepy like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The intensity's got to help like in bed though, if you're oh, like, yeah. in a dommy situation. Cause oh, you're, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. You're, you're dominant, right? Yeah. I'm very dominant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's got to help there. Yeah. Cause like I can't do that. I don't. I just always look unsure. <laughs> I always like just making like, like I'm just spank and every spank hit my face goes like, was that right? Was that okay? Was that hard enough? No, it's it's like 
wrestling to me, that's a horrible way to put it, but like professional wrestling is like, you have to commit to a decision. I guess improv too. It's just like, you make a decision. This is what the feel, this is what's in the moment, man. It was what we're feeling with. So we're going to roll with this, even if it's weird or even if it's uh, an awkward, there's no awkward, there's no nose in, in sex. Well, there is, but you know. They don't sound like nose. They sound like colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what uh what's that about for you the the whole dom sub thing? I don't know. I've had a lot of requests. Uh, I think one. Of the, I think the most frequent request for a guest on the show that I haven't been able to fulfill. Yeah, has been they want a pro dom like a pro male dominant. Yeah, because I've had dominatrixes on the show. Yeah, yeah. I've never had like a professional male because those aren't very common. No, I couldn't imagine very common at all. Um, like- but so I, but and if it is, it's like a part time. <laughs> uh, well, I do. I did have a male escort on the show. He just yeah. wasn't like, I mean, I'm sure he can do some kink stuff, but he doesn't specialize. He just no. specializes in having a big cock and abs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but w- so what I know nothing about the whole BDSM thing from the male point of view as a dominant. I've talked to subby dudes, but I actually don't know a lot of like male doms. I, I it's something kind of weird about me because like, I don't want to throw the word, uh, I associate with a lot of feminist ideas. You know what I mean? There's this kind of weird thing with like wanting to dominate women. Cause like I used to be a community organizer and I used to run with like at a job where every single person except for me were people coming from like the feminist studies department at college. Like basically we just, it was like a pipeline from them to our uh, workplace. And I would, I generally literate about like women's, liberation or at least have a better understanding of it and i've read more than one book on the subject and that there's that side and like the idea should respect women and and have uh respect their agency and that they are people of agency and then you get in the bedroom and my brain goes like you're just a piece of shit like it's all inside Uh, of the character i think that's like the weird (laughs) but how do you discover that because i've heard a lot of stories from people who are submissive and they realize they were submissive whether it was a spanking or just having a tingly feeling or just always maybe seeing a woman in a in a submissive situation and just identifying with that what did you see that made you go yeah i want to i want to do that i I remember as a kid like you'd see like in the cartoons like the women chained up uh, like daphne in some helpless situation and i'm like that's what the that's attracting me in a weird you do have a scooby-doo essence about you i feel like (laughs) So, throw an so like, ascot on and you know this hair grows out and like, and like the beard and i look like shaggy i'm just weird i'm just i just I yeah should just become a spy really mm-hmm. um yeah uh i think like the pop psychology of like male dom is is you feel like you don't have power in your real life which i guess i don't really feel that way um uh i Okay, maybe if I thought about it in terms of like stuff I enjoy, like I enjoy taking care of people, and I enjoy just there's that uh, the narcissism. Oh man, my just went to. Huh? <laughs> you said I enjoy taking care of people. My first thought was except your son. Um, that was my roast battle. Mind was on. <laughs> for, uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I gave my son up for adoption. Uh, when he abandoned I was, his so I said, boy. I abandoned my because I had shit to do. You know, <laughs> like I had like like. Uh, candy, we'll we'll get to the candy D. <laughs> We'll get to the sun later. Candy to eat? That was a weird rip. <laughs> Whatever. We're, I don't want to share my candy with yeah. some whiny kid. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I sometimes think about like raising him and just like how he would be like pursuit of happiness, miserable. <laughs> like, like we're like both in like a bath. Like I could barely support myself. Whatever. I don't have to justify it. So I like right. taking, um, you know, I mean, it's like uh, I like taking like you put me in like a work situation and I like taking charge of the work situation. And I like the idea. Like, I think, you, you know, there's like a side to. I hope I'm not gassing myself up, but there's like a side to like somebody's like geared towards more like more empathetic or being more concerned towards people. Like there's something about that that's a little dark and narcissistic. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have to kind of control. I think that translates into the bedroom of like, I just have to take complete control. And uh, at least the I have to take this character who's in complete control because like when you're in a dom sub situation, like but like both people, it's a it's a negotiation. Both people go back and forth. It's just like you become a character. Yeah. But when you were a kid, it was the seeing like thing, like people, like women tied up. That's what. Yeah. Because I understand the, the character stuff. It's just, I'm thinking about what that moment is or what, when that clicks in your brain that that's the thing you dig. I always find that weird because like I'll hear people go like, ever since I was a kid, I knew I was attracted to this. You know, when I watch, especially like with the stuff you watch as a kid. But is it, is it that or, because like I remember the first thing I was ever sexually attracted to was Gadget from Rescue Rangers. Huh? Who? What? You remember Rescue Rangers, the cartoon? No. Rescue uh, Rangers? All right, Tuesday in the afternoon, basically a hot mouse. <laughs> okay. And, like, I'm not a furry, and I don't find furry porn attractive, but, like, let's say if I did, then I would be telling you, is like, I remember ever since I was a kid, I found Gidget or Gadget on Rescue yeah. Rangers super attractive. I think, like, I always um, uh, don't mind too deep where sexuality really comes from or it's just like i think we can assign ourselves stories and i think that might help give a little bit of a context but like it's like this giant black void that floats in the sky and like one thing falls out and you're like oh that's where my sexuality comes from and you ignore the giant black well maybe void. not yeah. maybe not the where the origin yeah. like where it comes from but there there's got to be still a moment like at least an early memory of when it first kind of clicked that that's what you were into. Like, yeah. so maybe not some, you saw a thing and that caused it, but more like you saw a thing and that was the first time you identified with this is my, this is my jam. Yeah. Uh, I remember like we talked about last time, there's like an erotic story site. Yeah. MC stories, MC the mind stories. control story. Yeah. yeah. Site. Like, yeah. I, I was really into that as a kid. Like I kind of glommed onto that. And part of that was that those were easy to look at because we had the computer in the living room. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like I wasn't looking at hardcore porn. Yeah, it's I was just words. At, it could it's be just anything. words. It's like, oh, he's like really good at reading. And, ah, good good for John. He's, he's doing so much reading. He's online in, an, in a completely innocuous looking website. Um, uh, there was that. Um, I remember... Like seeing uh, DirecTV used to do this great thing where they'd show the first five minutes of a movie for the pay per view, okay. and that includes softcore porn. And I remember like like the first one of those I saw was so you knew from nine to nine oh five, yeah, yeah, ten yeah, to ten oh five, and eleven eleven oh five. You were jerking it. Do you, do you have like those porns that are like the lost porn for you? What do you mean lost? Like 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 one of the drug TVs. It was called Erotic Connection, and it had like a girl in a, a silver bikini. And I'm almost sure if I watch it nowadays, it'd be just pathetic or just silly or weird. But it was like a girl in a silver bikini coming out of a jacuzzi, and it was like a, a erotic VR simulation, and it, it was just like a really weird 
convoluted kind of okay softcore porn like like uh, Exotica like that or the one that was big in the video stores during yeah. the but you've never the, and then you never see it. I could never find you can't it find it. Yeah, I, I could find others by that production company, but it's erotic connection is so SEO unfriendly. It, it's it's hard to search for on Google. I probably should just go on some like sad porn torrent site or something like that and look it up or maybe one of you viewers at home have it sitting ah. in your thing connect with me i i don't think i have any that were lost because i used to have like napster and you just download all the porn oh, from yeah, napster yeah, yeah, right yeah. and so like those were the porns i watched because you didn't have the streaming sites you just downloaded shit and then that those were the files you could watch you know i gotta go home find the old desktop see if yeah. i can find that tower yeah and i'm <laughs> almost i'm almost scared to see what is in that hidden folder. I still have all of it because, like, I've just had. I'm pretty good at taking all my hard drives. It's like like uh, this weird migrant group of like nomadic group of files. Yeah, just have been like, you know. Now I look up the old photos I downloaded or the old videos, and they're like the size of a postage stamp, and it's just like a girl smiling, showing <laughs> her tits. Yeah, yeah. That's and that was it. it. That was all you needed back then. It was yeah. I don't, I don't think I have anything that was like lost because I was able to later find them as yeah. an adult with the streaming sites. Uh, however, it, it just. Oh fuck, brain fart. Um, Dead air. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, it'd be interesting to go like look to see what was I into when I was like fifteen. Yeah, and, like find whatever's there. Um, but I don't know it was a different time. You just kind of click on everything and see which videos worked because yeah. sometimes just shit would be broken files. Yeah, yeah, you, you didn't know or like ads or not what it said it was and, and just weird stuff. And um, then there was the the fear of like, is it going to accidentally be child porn? Yeah, because again, you don't fucking know. Like yeah. I'm just hitting, I'm typing tits. Yeah, and I'm going to click on everything and then see what worked. Uh, and then you open it up, and, you, and when you're 15, you're not even thinking about that. I was actually, yeah. so I was just I just finished this book called Ethical Porn for Dicks by Dr. David Lay. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think that's how I say his name. I don't know. That's just, that's funny. It's just Lay. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a whole section about child pornography and how to avoid it, and there was like a section just about what to do if you accidentally download child porn, and it was yeah. an entire section of the book. Which is like the what to do if by accident. And he's like, look, I know that if you call the cops, they're going to think that when you say by accident, you mean by accident. Yeah, but yeah. it's a legitimate concern. Did That was something I didn't get to ask you when you did your bonus episode. Yeah, but yeah. I was like, you know, did the working in the porn field ever affect your dating life? Yeah, I think it, it made me. I mean, I think going into it, I wasn't the biggest fan of pornography. Like, it's just like something I struggle to. I can't when I escape into my sexual space like when i see an image like everything doesn't agree with the image and that drives me crazy okay. so like like the guy will make an annoying like, noise and i'm like that's not me i'm a douche like i'm throwing myself when you look at porn like you throw yourself into the personality of whoever's fucking and if that guy's a douchebag then all of a sudden i'm like oh am i a douchebag now uh which i don't which i struggle with so i didn't like porn going in i think it uh dating wise um, I think it was like a cute, it was a cute story for the first date. Cause like, I was like, Hey, my life's about porn, but also I'm kind of a safe, not weird, creepy guy. So it's like a fun antidote to tell let ripping it. And it's something date. different that yeah. they've probably never been on a first date with. No. Yeah. I get that with the show. I just be like, yeah, no, I do this sex dating show thing. It's weird. Yeah. Sorry. And they're like, they're fascinated because they're, they just had 20 dates with fucking finance and tech guys. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like longing to hear anything that's different and wild that, you know, 
for me a bad New York City person. It's like I'm on the J train and you got drunk hipsters coming home from uh, Lower East Side and I just think they're annoying and that I'm better than them. That's yeah. how I'm shitty. I do. I used to do and I think I kind of matured out of it even though I enjoyed doing it. I used to like just yell at people, you know, or just like these two guys were just having this bland conversation of like, I went to Prague last week. And the other guy's like, Ooh, I heard they go. It was just like, he did an amazing <laughs> thing and he had the most shittiest tone about it. Cause that's what, you know, it, it, hipsters are like, if you, it's like, you're not doing justice to your own story. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's the, I hate when people can't tell, like stories like a to b like people have amazing things happen to them all you're the time. set up yeah. for a great story yeah this is an amazing thing and so i just yelled i just go like blah 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 and just <laughs> left the subway and just like everybody looked at me and i was the hero um you think you were the hero but these guys just have a story of like i was just talking to my friend about my trip to prague and some I don't random know stranger happened. just yelled yeah. blah 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 and got the subway like, like me at my worst <laughs> is like i'm this force of justice going around editing the city to my own pleasure i'm just like you're not aesthetically going through the city and the, you don't know how to you don't have you don't have five years of stage experience to hold an audience but it's also like you listen to like teenagers talk on the train and they're excited and they're like they're funny and 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 a lot of people are exciting. It's just like that. Like, it's just, I think hipsters, if you show excitement, that means you're poor or something like that. I, I think there's like some weird class thing attached to that. Like, yeah. What about teenagers the other day? They just, you know. You're not allowed to be excited and be cool, apparently. No, no. But fuck it. I'll be uncool and fun. That's what chill is. That's what the problem of chill is. It's, it's like, why can't you get excited about things? So it's yeah. like, everybody, like, there's this idea of venerating chills. Like, hey, here's a chill. I'm a chill guy. I don't have any really exciting thoughts. I just kind of just stare at my phone. You're and, trying to just be like, I'm better yeah. than you because I'm not super excited yeah. about seeing this amazing event oh my god there are titties out well whatever i've seen so many tits why don't you guys <laughs> chill out you know uh, tits are like an everyday thing and it's her body her choice be excited a little bit yeah teenagers so excited i was on a train once and there was like a group of teenagers and granted they annoyed the fuck out of me yeah but at least they had life in them three teenagers are talking about women they're very clearly in high school yeah and like they were there's like a few of them were making fun of this other guy and about like some chick she uh, you know he went out with and they're like yo whatever man she said you didn't even lick her booty hole like that was an insult <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, wait, wait, wait. so if you don't eat ass like it's an insult apparently in inner city new york yeah <laughs> oh i hope that's not the new normal i, I don't i don't any you eat, butt stuff you, you, no, butt no stuff butt at all nothing around the butt i, oh, just, I love the butt except for eating it i don't uh, eat butt it just disturbs me it's just i just can't like like anal i read one girl it's just like um yeah, I have a bit on stage about like sex is never just about sex. There's always something else floating around it. And there's always like something unspoken that you can't really. It's like the black void I was talking about earlier. Where like, like one girl, like we're in bed and and she's like, "You can do anything to me, even anal." I'm like, "Oh, you just want anal?" But you're like, being ask like for anal. "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like, how, and it just, but I think that's kind of funny. It's just like anything isn't anything. It's it's one thing. It's just anal and it's just like whatever. She was hot though. So. Yeah. <laughs> I got into a fight. My, my ex and I, we or uh, yeah, my ex and I we once got into a fight. Or we used to get into the same fight for a while 
earlier in the relationship because she enjoys anal. It's not a thing she craves and like needs. No, but she enjoys anal sex. Yeah, and I don't crave doing anal, but like I can enjoy anal. It's like my third favorite hole. It's yeah. definitely not something I'm typically. Prop- I will fuck a woman in the ass. If she asks me to, because I'm a gentleman. Right. You know? And so we used to get in this fight because I knew she liked anal. And so I would want to do anal for her. But she didn't want me to fuck her in the ass because she's like, yeah, but you don't really want to. She didn't trust that I wanted to fuck her in the ass. So we were both fighting over anal sex that neither of us <laughs> really wanted to have. But we're both kind of semi-insisting upon. What a bunch of assholes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, so when you're in like this dominant mode, yeah. right. What was that? That first time being dominant in bed in a like set up consensual, whatever negotiated scenario. What was that like for you? It was, I used to date, uh, I think I, it would always up until this girl I'm about to talk about, like it would always be like a little bit of slapping and that consensual slapping or just testing the water. Just light, light. Yeah, yeah. Experimenting with it or just saying, uh, really dark things and um which i always think is the most fun say something super dark and just pause and wait to see the reaction yeah, 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 yeah. you're a piece of shit and they're just like, shut up okay whatever <laughs> <laughs> but um uh yeah i used to date a dominatrix and she uh i was dominant to her and um uh with her like we went full on like whips and chains and 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 leather and and just like uh we we just kind of that was your first foray yeah that was the first foray oh, wow. and like even the first couple of times we fucked it was like dominant and uh, but then she's like let's you, you, i i my job i have a shitload of toys you want to bring out the toys and i'm like yeah why not i think um at the time, it was a lot, and I didn't know what to do with all of it. I, I enjoyed myself, but I think, um, and then we never went. I never asked her to go back into that mode, but I think um, uh, if I had the opportunity, I probably would again. Or I was looking into like going to like BDSM parties and classes and stuff. But were you like really excited to finally get oh, to yeah, do this yeah, thing yeah. that you had like wanted to do for yeah. a while? I'm sure, and then finally you have an ever. outlet to. <laughs> To hit around and be in the character. It's the worst thing you get to ask for is your fantasies be realized, right? And it's just like you walk into like the the threshold of like, oh, oh, what there's it's like I mean, actually I enjoyed myself, but it's just like it's kind of funny of just like just like you uh when fantasies cross into real life, then all of a sudden this special kind of cool thing of a fantasy just vanishes immediately, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but that's kind of just uh, um, something that's interesting or not. Yeah. Or if like, it doesn't like, it doesn't live up to the expectation. Yeah. That's always the big concern. Yeah. Yeah. This is interesting. This is something I didn't know about you that you dropped on me before we turned the mics on, but you yeah. said you had like played around with your, gender expression or your yeah. thoughts about your own gender you know you, you hear people talk about like questioning their gender because i can see you with lipstick like i yeah. can i look at your face i think i'm a hot chick with lipstick it's, like you have soft you have like like hard jaw line things yeah but almost like soft feminine like you could throw a wig on yeah yeah i got wigs um you have wigs. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Now it's for comedy purposes. And can we pause? Because I have to pee real bad. Go for it. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Hi, welcome back to Fresh Air with Terry Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. But So wait, so you were curious about your gender identity at some point? Yeah, it's it's interesting because like people talk about like people who question their gender and sexuality. And it's just... Um, 
it, usually when they say that, it, it's like a foregone conclusion that they have um, a, a non-majority gender association. You know what I mean? Like, like, like if this somebody tells says that they're questioning their gender, then it always ends. It in, always ends with I'm them, transgender the answers, or yeah. I'm in some. I'm not. Yeah, I don't feel the body I'm assigned in, and um, you know, same with sexuality. Uh, and me, like, I think as a kid, like I, I it was a fantasy I kind of escaped into, uh, every now and then it's like becoming a woman. I was like, I never felt like I was a woman. I always felt like, like, uh, a desire to like become a woman. And, um, and then meanwhile, go back to the community organizer group I used to be a part of, like where I was talking earlier with the, like being associated with a lot of feminists and all of a sudden, like I'm bombarded with a lot of, um, uh, thoughts about you know gender and how gender is fluid and and i'm surrounded by the academic kind of whirlwind of that and that was the world i was kind of uh immersed in and i think you know when you're inside of that it's it's easier things get a little bit more fluid it's like well maybe i i I wasn't uh maybe i i'm not a guy maybe i want to be a woman and i tried playing around with it i tried like wearing dresses and stuff and i would go to like at home or out yeah at home oh uh, to be more uh, like when because i lived out i lived alone so i could just walk around in a dress and dresses are comfortable and it's, it's nice to put on a dress like you're not just putting on a piece of clothing you're putting on a gender and it's it's nice to assume roles and kind of step outside a role that you normally assume. And I think maybe that's what I enjoyed about that. Um, and also I guess part of it in my head, maybe I'm wrong, but it's like validating this ideology that I was steeped into. Like I wanted to, uh, um, validate it is like, see, even this guy who looks and passes for straight could even be like a little bit queer, you know, not to co-op somebody else's slur, but, um, I also go to uh, gay pride rallies, you know, dressed in it. And uh, at the end of it, I think I was just like, um, when and when was this? Uh, this was five years ago. Or okay. so. Yeah, yeah. So you were in like mid twenties. Mid twenties, yeah, yeah. twenty six or so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And by the end of it, uh, by the end of it, I, I think I, I think I just kind of was embarrassed because like I would, I didn't really come out, but like I I talked to some of my trans friends about it and. It felt like in my head I made this commitment and then I didn't really follow up on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just like, ah, no, I kind of like dressing like a guy. And um, uh, it's a thing I'm like slightly embarrassed about. But it's also, you know, I guess that's what's growing up is. is like, you know, you don't stop experimenting with your identity when you're a teenager. You still play around with it a little bit. And, you know, I think... Uh, that's how you grow is you go down you, you you go down a wrong street and find out where that leads you and go down another wrong street until you know eventually you die and then people forget you and 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 then <laughs> your cat probably dies way before that but, you know. but then you have a kid so who gives a shit <laughs> wait uh so so you your end discovery was like nah i'm a guy i like my dick and, yeah, and all yeah. the things yes yeah. so there's no like questioning whether or not you're in the wrong body i don't i don't have doubt and you know i wonder uh how much of it is like the stigma of like uh, and i don't want to say prejudices but the ideas attached behind a person just 
dressing as something outside the gender they're assigned to. Because, like, you know, if it's not, if I don't have dysmorphia, like, if my body's not, like, if my brain isn't rejecting how I perceive myself, I could just walk away from, I don't know if I'm being clear. Are you saying that like, I didn't have, if you I didn't are have trans, dysmorphia. if you had gender dysmorphia, it's yeah. an easy explanation? No, or, I think it was easy for me to walk away from it, even though there were things about it I enjoyed because I didn't have dysmorphia. So it was kind of a privileged okay. thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could just walk away from it and it becomes a chapter in my life I talk about it on a podcast versus <laughs> that thing that God just like throws a lightning bolt to. And so like, it's not like, a, on, yeah, it's not like a thing me. you're denying yeah. yourself. It's yeah, just yeah. a thing you tried. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still dress up from time to time? Yeah, every now and then. It's fun to do it for like comedy bits. I'm doing it on, on <clears throat> Thursday. Does it scratch an itch for you to put the dress on? I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. And it's fun. But Bugs Bunny enjoyed it too. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. do you ever, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, a pioneer yeah. really for cross dressing Bugs yeah. Bunny. Uh, but did you ever, do you still do like privately at home or go to rallies? No, or I mean, just comedy. Uh, I still have my dresses, and I think it's just sitting there to like waiting for the right woman to right ask you to right put it woman. on. Yeah, just find it or something like that. And I think, I mean, also I live with five roommates, and that would be kind of jarring for them if I were just like walking around in a dress. Uh, were you? Did you have a different identity when you put the dress on, or were you still John? I, I uh, was just John, but also I think I would um, just change my posture and how I would sit and how I'd walk. How, how would how would you sit if you were in the dress room? He's getting Yeah, a guy, he's got an arm cross. He's sitting up more straight. You know, with my hand, I mean, both hands would be on my knees. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I also I think uh, would uh, at the time because I was a lot more focused with gender politics, I would just, in general, without a dress, would sit more femme, because I think that would kind of make more masculine guys kind of uncomfortable, which I don't know why I was going for that battle, but it, like it's just also there's something about it that is like like I'm comfortable with my like I don't have to present myself as a tough guy. What about you? Which is right. this weird, still machismo thing, but like it's machismo of who can deep. be more beta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Beta as fuck. <laughs> so you're uh, a horrible father, right? Oh, Is yeah, yeah. Like I abandoned that? my no, son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I learned about you from like Comedy Fight Club. It was just like people were making jokes about how you abandoned your kid. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Dave Picklemini tried that, and it didn't go well. At <laughs> you had to ease into that one. It's just like. <laughs> well, what was that like, man? You through, This was how, how long ago was this? Uh, I gave my kid up for adoption in 2012. But now, why is it you gave the kid up for adoption, not we she? Gave, we gave. Oh, you gave, both together. Yeah, yeah, okay. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I just, I also did, and she did. Well, I didn't know if maybe you ended up with the kid. Maybe, yeah. you know. It was her decision. Uh, maybe it's like I Big did. Daddy. I don't know. Uh, she dies, a kid ends up in your doorstep. <laughs> you hang out with Rob Schneider. He teaches the kid how to do a chokehold. I go in that fantasy every now and then, even though it would be so selfish. It's just like, hey, I'm the cool dad. I'm a cool... Because everybody... You have, a, you have an unnaturally large apartment just to yourself <laughs> in Manhattan. In loft apartment. <laughs> he's, with a, my, well, he's, he's, he's unemployed, has lawyer, a loft. Yeah, fake lawyer. Um, uh, God. Wasn't he... Didn't his dad pay his way? Who gives a shit? It's yeah. fucking... It's an Adam Sandler movie. Still, um, great, still a great movie. Big Daddy. Start the story from the <laughs> start. Uh, there's this girl. I used to work on a film... I worked on a film set, and I met her on the film set, and we had, like, a shitload of mutual friends. So 
uh, we started messaging each other, and then she basically became a fuck buddy, and we were just just text at ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, our first date was kind of weird. Uh, we were going to meet at a Thai restaurant in a strip mall because I know how to treat women right. right. I take them into the the, the the finest Thai restaurants and strip malls in in the entire country. And uh, it was going to be on a Saturday night. She's like, I can't do it tonight. Can I move it to next night? And I'm like, okay, sure. And I was kind of pissed because she was being flaky. Uh, she arrives and her mom drove her there. And she was, was like, listen, um, so on Saturday night, I, I had alcohol poisoning. And my, my mom's here and she's going to take me out of the state to go to rehab uh, as soon as this date's over. So she honored the date, which is the weirdest <laughs> and it was like a charming date and we had like all along and we had a lot of nice things so happen. like you know how long have you been in heroin <laughs> yeah yeah she was an alcoholic but alcoholic, yeah right. uh and then she just vanished and drove away and i didn't see her for three months until three months later and then we started texting and doing sure. um uh, late night sex and then uh she had a, a a relapse and she came back and she had to like she vanished from my life for like let's say i don't know nine months or so <laughs> And she yeah, moved like, out of state, like to live with their parents. To, they supported her while she struggled through what she was struggling through. And um, this is up in South Carolina. Well, she was up in South Carolina. I'm sorry, I'm getting the story wrong. She was up in Nashville at the time. And like about nine months later, on New Year's Eve day, she messaged me. He's like, "Hey, John, can we talk?" Because I think like, uh, and like how conveniently nine months later, nine months later, and like I know math, so I was like freaking out. And I didn't hear from her for like six hours. Yeah. And eventually, she calls me, and I pick up, and I go, "Are you fucking pregnant?" <laughs> like well, a not dickhead. anymore. <laughs> yeah, she goes, she goes like, "Well, I I I was pregnant." <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out um, she was giving up the kid for adoption, as, as is her right, and I think it was uh, it, her decision. And the law in the state that she was in was that you have to sign off. The the father also has to sign off, which I think might be a fucked up rule. I don't know. Because um, like, what if you're a mom and you don't I th- know the dad or I, something? I, don't uh, know. I, th- I think that's fair. I think the father should have a, a right to that uh, to some degree. There's, a, there's one listener who emailed me once being like, I don't understand, and he's Canadian, so... Uh, <laughs> so he's weak. If you're listening right now, understand you're weak. Yeah, you Kyle. Stop listening right now, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> he was asking why don't men get a right in the say over an adoption uh, over the abortion? Right. Why can a woman just abort the kid willy nilly? What if the guy wants to keep the kid, or what if the guy wants to get it aborted and she wants to keep it? And I was like, mm, because like it's inside her body. But after it comes out of the body, I think yeah, it's a it's a real person. I think he should have parental rights, and I guess I feel like he should have like first. Um, dibs <laughs> first dibs yes <laughs> exactly uh, the father should get first dibs before he pass off the adoption you I'll should, take the kid <laughs> I, th- I mean I would imagine like the last of, pizza <laughs> well I would imagine part of that law has to do with like what if the guy wants to keep the kid and yeah. the mom wants to abdicate her oh, responsibilities that would be really messy she could, yeah. she could be signing off her rights as a mother but then pass the kid to the father and, and maybe why you need both for the adoption is so that he gets first dibs, yeah. uh, or he could say, yeah, I will also sign away my rights. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure they'll have uh, precautions put in place in case like the dad's not present or there. I'm sure there's something or, to, yeah. Or, or like um, is like Virgin Mary birth or something. Um, 
So, uh, so she calls you up just basically trying to say, I wasn't going to tell you about this, but I want to give it up for adoption. Exactly. And I need your signature. Yeah, yeah. And I need you. And so she faxed me over this stuff and I got oh, notarized. 2012, y'all were using fax. Yeah, I think so. Oh, man. Was it? No. Where'd you find a email. fax? <laughs> no, maybe I just said fax. And, and <laughs> okay, stupid. Um, and I, I gave the kid up for adoption oh, i actually was there for the like I, I went up from orlando to nashville to like see the adoption ceremony there's a was, ceremony yeah it was like handing off the kid which is kind of like a really intense moment so the parents is it like see. a hot potato like you hold the kid and you the mom when off? she the uh adopted mom when she came in instantly she started crying and uh an incredible woman but she just yanked the baby out of her hands which isn't a bad thing it was just like a really passionate like move and we were together in the same room for a while but she just couldn't she was so overwhelmed that, that she, she forgot that yeah, say yeah hey get it. like oh my god here's my kid which is incredible because they couldn't have kids and then all of a sudden they enter this threshold where like a kid's in their lap which has got to be like i couldn't even um imagine what that's like like I mean, you kind of can because you know before I she, says she wants to give it up for adoption oh, yeah she calls to tell you like i had a kid but, so there's like a brief moment where you think is a kid being dropped in my lap. Like um, the difference is, is like I didn't have a lot of anticipation or need sure. for a kid. I would be happy if I had a, a, a kid, but like I wasn't a couple who, uh, for whatever reason, they couldn't have a kid. All of a sudden, can yeah. All of a sudden, this goal they kind of wanted a lot is attainable. Um, yeah. So you watch the baby snatcher do her baby snatching, yeah. and then and then we had like a nice conversation, and not even for like an hour. Not even all of it was about the kid. And now it's a situation where it's an open adoption. I visit them uh, tentatively once a year. Uh, I, that's at least how it's worked out so far. Excuse me. Uh, I haven't really contacted them um, recently, uh, just because I, I want to respect their boundaries. And yeah. I want to be like say like, hey, how's how's the old kid doing? I send them a letter once a year, which I really doubt they give a shit about. At least that's what they indicate. Like, mm. uh, and uh, I send them books. His he's a New Year's baby, so that's nice. That one day a year, I give him presents instead of two. You know what I mean? It's close <laughs> enough to Christmas. <laughs> uh, but um, like, I'm adopted too. This is where the story oh, gets weird. I yeah, didn't know that. Okay, yeah, it's such a weird story. Well, then what was that like for you, dude? I mean, I, uh, it's gotta be weird. You know. Um, I remember one time, and Andre Allen was... That makes me want to make fun of you less. Oh, no, don't. I deserve it. I'm, I'm scum. Maybe you heard me... I broke up with somebody. That makes you a bad person. Um, I had this moment in comedy where uh, the, the horrible comedy strip auditions... You're past there, but, you know, like, it's usually garbage where where, where um, Death himself tells you, you're not good at comedy. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, you're all right, kid. And then he tells you about Eddie Murphy for 10 minutes. Uh, you know, I passed Jerry Seinfeld at 19, whatever. So, like, it was, like, I think in the room, like, that night audition was people like Jordan Temple, who's been featured on, like, MTV, sure. Andrea Allen of the Keith and the Girl, blah, 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 and other hot, stuff. Yeah. Uh, of the Man Whore Podcast. A hot mess, and a Man Whore <laughs> fan of the show, regular of the show. Regular of the show. A three, friend three, of the show. Three-timer. Three-timer. Yeah. Uh, she was uh, there and like a couple other comments. And mm. Danis, my best friend, who's a, a Colombian piece of shit loser. Parafan. Yeah, Dan's parafan. Just okay. Like he's a dangerous person. If you're listening, stay away from this person. Yeah. So it was like just like like four really close friends were all eating at a diner and just complaining about getting rejected. And we're talking about life stuff. And somebody asked me, "It's like, so what's it like being adopted?" And I think right then I I figured out how to 
um, word it where like you feel like you're trapped between two worlds. It's like I don't fully belong in the world of like the family that raised me because they're not the blood and I don't have that genetic relationship with them. I don't have the weird quirks and I don't have their eyes and et cetera. But also as a person who reconnected with my adoptive family, like I don't fully feel like I connected with them because I didn't grow up with them. And, and it's like watching season six of breaking bad and just trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. You know what I mean? But there's some connection. So you don't feely fully feel like you belong in either world. And then like Jordan Temple talked about his experience growing up uh, with, with, I don't want to talk about his own person. That's his business talking about his own personal politics, but he felt like he was trapped between two worlds. And, and Dennis, you know, as a son of an immigrant, he didn't fully feel like he fully belonged as uh, an American because he had these Colombian parents and that's who raised him, but he wasn't Colombian. He speaks crappy Spanish. And Andre Allen said a similar thing, which again, I'm not going to get into. It's just like, I think that's like, I think, Comedians especially, but nobody feels like – everybody feels like they're kind of split between two worlds, uh, especially comedians. And I think that's how I I felt. Like I I think the weirdest way to relate to it, but I related a lot – is as a kid, like a superhero, like the real comics, not just like the the quick stories you hear, but like the comics that have been going on for like 30 years. Like Superman's backstory takes like 40 hours to describe – and I always kind of related to that or like Cyclops, like he's got weird fi- family dynamics and it takes forever to describe and it, it, people look at you weird. I, I always felt like that. Like I would kind of feel like I'm just stuck out of time in a way. I don't know. And that's how the kid's going to feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but were you concerned at all with when when she calls you and says like, hey, you know, I'm going to put this kid for adoption. Is there a moment where you're like, I don't want my my genetics to go through what I went through as an adopted person? I think uh, and 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 you think like maybe no or do you I think the weird thing in my head that's hard to describe like the p- cosmic connection uh, like the the fact that I feel unstuck out of time I think this further reinforced my feeling that I'm unstuck out of time it's like where I made a family but it was displaced in side somewhere in America um uh that's how it affected me. And it was something that I, I couldn't really tell at the time, but I think it really kind of uh, was something I struggled with to come to terms with. And just like that, this is a, a good story and it's a happy story. And it's not something that's grotesque and weird. It's just that uh, it, it's just not normal. And it's not something that is easily interpreted or easy to describe or easy to put a cap on top of. Hmm. And do you want to stay involved in the kid's life yeah, for as long definitely. as those yeah. parents let you, basically? Yeah. And I'm kind of, I'm always nervous about how much I bothered the parents. And I don't want to, like, scare them away. Um, I would love to be part of my kid's life. It's kind of scary seeing him grow up in fast forward because I see him once a year. So I've seen a one year old, I've seen a two year old, yeah. I've seen a three year old. And I don't know that the the annoying intimate side of being a parent like i never been annoyed at my kid like these parents probably have been because kids annoy you and i never had to clean up his shit and i never had my cell phone by him all i have is just fun with his kid which is a different relationship um i think and also it's like a guy i think about all my all the time my son is is somebody who i don't he's just something that's abstract it's kind of like new york city 
where for people who move to New York City, where like your entire life, New York City is an image. It's a thing you see on the TV screen. And then you move to New York and then you're always forever for the rest of your time here reconciling the image with the reality. So you'll see like the Ghostbusters house. You're like, I'm in the Ghostbusters. But then you like a crazy man yells at you be like, oh, fuck this That's place. not Ghostbusters. That's yeah. like completely different. <laughs> Something like how much New York stuff is, you know, for the most photographed city in the world, like how do you describe to somebody outside of New York the difference between Upper West Side and uh, uh, Upper East Side? Or how do you explain to them uh, why NYU students, no offense, are pieces of shit? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right? You can't. You can't. We like, were, I remember when I first moved here. I remember when I first moved here. Like, the first show I ever did, like, a bunch of comics were hanging around and they're like, oh, NYU students. So I'm like, what's wrong with NYU students? And, like, I kept on hearing people badmouth them. And, and I, I, I can't describe yep. why. And not you, but you but, know, but me. Yeah, but, but you. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, if you ever got a girl pregnant uh, by accident again, would you prefer her to have the abortion or to uh, abortion? Probably. Yeah. Do you think that's easier for as for you as like a father than going through the uh, adoption part of? Uh, part yeah, of yeah, and plus, I think it would. You know, I mean, it's separate from the fact that she has to like carry a kid and all the the physical stuff of it. Let's pretend she's like more than happy to carry a thing the term, and she leaves it up to you. If, you want to give it up for adoption or have it aborted? Um, <laughs> let's just pretend this fantasy situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I, I can imagine both having a psychological toll. I've never been through either myself. I but. would prefer abortion, and I think uh, I would. The irrational side of me would be worried that like I couldn't love this kid as much as Coleman. But then I hear Who's that Coleman, all the, 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 the kid, yeah, oh, yeah, the kid. Okay, and um. At the same time, like I hear so many parents talk about, like I didn't think I had one kid. I didn't think I could love anyone else as much as I do this one, and then I had the other one, and it's just, it's the same love. So, mm-hmm. but then they have like thirteen kids, and they're like, "Who gives a shit?" <laughs> but I um, love all my kids until we reach like twelve, and then it's yeah, like, come on, it's twelve. Um, is just garbage. Who who is that joke where uh, it's about naming kids or like? Um, like the first one's like named after like, you know, your, your grandmother, but like yeah. the, the fifth kid's named after a sandwich. You made <laughs> once. I forget who has that. It feels like a Gaffigan joke just cause could, he has a lot of kids. Could be Gaffigan yeah. or maybe like Greg Proops. I forget. Um, and do you want a family one day? Like a yeah, real, yeah, like one that you keep and, and I you see regularly? I'd rather have a kid than a wife. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. I'd rather raise would people. You, would you adopt? Would you be yeah, I would adopt, a single man? And I would probably do foster parents, but also... Um, I think ultimately what I would do is, um, foster parenting sounds stressful cause you have to like, you know, abuse yeah. your kid and that just sounds <laughs> You have tiring. to molest them. You have oh. to beat them. You have to put them in like, like stocks <laughs> at night. So when you go out drinking and spending all their foster kid money that you get from the government, like it's, it just sounds exhausting to yeah. me. <laughs> my brother is, uh, my adopted brother brother is a big brother little brother he's in that program and that's a huge fucking commitment like he's like he's turned down employment opportunities out of state because he has to kind of be there and watch his kid as he grows up but he like he doesn't have to he's turning down jobs out of state and choosing like the love commitment yeah Yeah, 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 yeah which is nice and to his credit but it's just like that that's even that's not foster parenting. That's yeah, just that's like just something like that's. Uh, I can't, I can't do Big Brother Little Brother. They'd they'd be worried I would teach the kid like the joys fucking, of anal. Yeah, like, yeah. And here's how you here's how you pick up women on the playground. Papa Billy, Papa Billy. <laughs> <laughs> 
you so, curl the fingers up. You t- don't just jam them in. Tell, tell me, tell me about the G spot. Yeah, I would be. A, I would be way too. In my opinion, I'd be too good of a big brother. Uh, <laughs> time for the fan whore appreciation moment. You know, I still don't have a good title for this section. If if any patrons or listeners have any good ideas, shoot me an email. This is the part of the show where I like to uh, thank a few select fan whores who support me and the work that I'm doing on Patreon. Uh, big shout out to Sarah B., longtime fan whore. Uh, I've actually, I've had the pleasure of meeting you when you were visiting New York City. I hope you're enjoying Singledom, and I hope you're surviving Florida. Uh, Prickly Peach, Baby Cakes. Whatever your real name is, I've almost forgotten by now. Uh, wherever you are, come join us in the champagne room. You have been specifically requested, buddy. You've been specifically requested by Anna Superslut, I should say. Um, now for some new fan whores. Kelly W., a- apparently a powerlifter. There's something about powerlift- powerlifting women I find. I don't want to say sexy. I want to say erotic. There's something about just the concept of it that turns me on. Thank you, Kelly, for uh, joining the Fan Horn Nation. Christine H., you know, looking you up, there's not much to say other than Canadian bombshell. It's the only thing I could think of. Holy smokes, lady. Congrats to the new husband. Uh, And then I want to say to Ben C., you know, I just want to give a shout out to the BXBX. Thanks, buddy, uh, for supporting the show. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's kind of like a monthly fan club subscription. You pledge a certain amount of money, uh, and depending on how much you pledge, you get certain rewards each month, which includes, for everybody, bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast and access to our super secret Facebook group, The Champagne Room. You too can join the club for as little as $1 per month. Just go on over to patreon.com slash Podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. Now back to the show. Sex is stupid. Everything about it. <laughs> so much fun. You, you have to have this moment where you're just like going on top of somebody and you just you, like your your mind's eye sees you outside of yourself and you're like, oh my God, I'm just an animal. I'm disgusting. And, I never get that. Yeah. I'll only get the, why am I doing this? Yeah. And that's when I know, like, I that's why I try to keep it. Like, I try to only have sex with people I my mind wants to have sex with, not just because I'm hard, because then, you know, I get these scenarios where I'm like inside someone, I'm like, I don't really like I, I never want to be fucking and not be into it. I feel like there's this guy thing of like like the worst type of guy of this attitude, like you gotta be fucking everything. There's this like pressure Ugh. to do that. And then go back to that woman at McDonald's where like I decided I didn't want to sleep with this woman. I certainly wasn't gonna sleep with a woman that night because she was so fucking drunk. Sure. And so I made a decision to walk away from something that would have made me uncomfortable but then inside my head the little 13 year old boy gets out and he goes like why why aren't you trying to fuck her we could have had sex you could have had sex that would have made you a real person that would have made you a real and like like, i don't it's so cool (laughs) you bad person she's hot (laughs) she's hot it's like 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 a man can't turn down sex from a hot woman yeah she was so like obnoxious as a person like i couldn't even jerk off to her that night Ah. you know what i mean like i couldn't even like go home and like all right her personality turns you off yeah just just because she was sad i think that was it she just made me like sad but i think that's an evolved state to be in because we are evolved men uh no but i i think that's a powerful thing i think when you can break away from the needs of your cock and like own like make decisions with your head and not the head of your dick yeah i think that's such a 
big moment in a man's life when you have when you realize you have that ability there's a power i feel in knowing that i we don't talk a lot about like men and like the consent men are supposed to be allowed to give or yeah, whatever yeah. um because men are too busy raping women oh yeah and so we never get to talk about this but i think it's an important thing and i think there's a sense of a source of power i at least feel realizing that I've consent and that I can decide to not want to have sex right. just because someone wants to have sex with me doesn't mean I have to have want to have sex or that I can also be sexual and not have vaginal intercourse. I can be like, I want to fool around, but I don't want to fuck. Oh, there's all these other things we can do. And yeah. I can propose those to her and she can be like, Oh wow. I just kind of assumed you would want to fuck me. But th- that also sounds really fun. Um, there's a sense of power to it to know that I'm not beholden to my primal desires. I think yeah. that's I think that's a big thing we don't talk about much with, you know, masculinity. Yeah. It's kind of hard to talk. I wasn't there that part of the conversation. I wasn't going to go anywhere with that. I was just like, hey, you know, feminism. Like I was going to like it's weird cuz I don't know where you, you talk about. You like cats? <laughs> uh, no, 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 what were you going to say? No, I didn't have anything. It's just weird cuz I don't want to uh I'm sympathetic to feminism you know what i mean like 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 people i i just feel like sometimes i'm so nervous about where you're going with yeah this. exactly <laughs> it's kind of weird it's just sometimes um when men are the denominator culture you know what i mean so they have the power inside the culture okay and so of course it should be focused more towards people who do not have the power but sometimes uh, when we focus or talk about gender and gender politics, uh, it, your options are either talking about the emancipation, the emancipation of people who aren't inside of denominator culture or really bro guys talking about why guys can't talk about why guys like regressive dudes going like. I just want to fuck all the time. You know what I mean? Like the the. So you're saying there's not a lot yeah, of talk no, about like what they what people call what the academics would call toxic max, masculinity. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think there's that, that term. So yeah. I guess people are talking about. I it. I think people yeah. are talking about it more, and but yeah. I think people are talking about it while addressing we don't talk about it enough. Just like we don't talk about like say male eating disorders enough because yeah. it's kind of men's fault that uh, to an extent that you know women suffer from eating disorders in such great numbers because of the media. Blah blah blah. And so that, like, yes, the like the male stuff is a problem, but people don't see it as as big a problem. Yeah, and, and I don't also, think somebody I would be. I feel like I would be a douche if I say like, why are we talking about men's issues? Well, I don't think we need to do that all the time. I think it's more important for us to do it amongst ourselves. Yeah. I think it's more important to talk like as men, especially as like straight cisgender men. I think it's more important for us to talk to each other about this. Yeah, because it's easy to talk to. For me to talk to my female friends about like, yeah, you know, and I feel this way about that. And like, uh, sometimes I can't express this because we typically see women as a safer place to talk about emotions. I think it's more important, more powerful for us men to have those conversations with other men so that we all can start to feel comfortable talking about that. And then the the unspoken pressure to be a he-man macho person becomes less of a thing. Uh, yeah. Because the more I talk about, like, the more men, like, I have, a, like, now that we've had this conversation, I now know I could talk about that again with you if I felt I need to talk about this with another guy. Right. And then the more we do that, the more people, the more comfortable we'll be. I'm um, talking a- about issues. Like, if we want to talk about body image stuff, if I talk about that with a group of dudes, I think that's just, they'll be like, oh, there are other men who feel this way. It's not just me. Yeah. I'm not just a pussy. 
there are other men who feel this way. Now we can we talk about it more. And there's there's this book I, I I liked a lot um, called Why Do All the Black Kids Eat Together? <laughs> um, I've heard about this book. Yeah. I've not read it, but it, I've heard about this. It's book. by it's like a, a, a woman who I think she's an academic, but before that she you better be an academic with a title like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a black woman and she was a school teacher and she writes a lot about teaching as well and um, she just talks about racial politics inside of classroom settings and, and around kids and just just how to deal as a teacher with racial stuff and she at one point goes like um, kind of similar to how like Malspace is like we should also have and um, it's one of those things you have to put a lot of asterisks next to it's like we should also have white spaces where we can talk about in a, like an emancipatory progressive way how there can be like a space where white people can talk about racial stuff because it's like there's some stuff that people would feel insecure about talking about race you know that's offensive and shitty and, and bad that they need to get kind of removed from how yeah i'm not i being can't pro- i can't i yeah. can't say i'm following yeah i wish i could think about it but okay, i am popping popcorn and watching wait, waiting for this. something to blow I, up here let me put it like this it's like like let's say i have some shitty racial thing i think in my head all the time and I would I would just keep it inside of me the whole time. But if I talk about it with another white guy where there's less stakes and that other white guy goes like, yeah, stop saying that. That's shitty. Like that's a productive space. And that can only happen between two people of. See, like, I thought you were going to say, I just need to play a white space where I can say these things. I was like, they have meetings for that. Yeah, yeah. They just require like a costume and they're usually in the South. That's so tricky to talk about it because like, <laughs> and, and it's also, it's just like. Like, you mean like you want to be able to like voice a thing, get it out of your head without being called a racist and have someone like kind of slap you, like yeah. slap you out of it. Yeah. Be like, oh man, thanks for slapping me out of that one. I just need to get that out there and be told also, that was dumb. Also to go like, yeah, I was thinking the whole same thing too. I'm an awful guy. Well, of course, the problem is, is when like a guy goes like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Let's go kill people. <laughs> like, that right. That's be, what I'm saying. I'm like those yeah. meetings exist. Yeah. I think we need less of those. I don't know. It's not a cross I die on. Uh, just that kind of issue. You, it's not a fiery cross you die no, on. No, no, that's not the fiery cross I would die on. It, uh, it's just because um, as a white man, you never die on that fiery cross. Just to let you know, that's no, not the image I think we want to be bringing up. As a Jewish man, you, you're not Jewish, are you? What are you? All right, I'm not gonna even get into that. <laughs> uh, I like, I like. Yeah, I just I like identity politics a lot. I just um, yeah, really because I, mean, I hate them. I, I I think it's I just can't, I can't keep up. To me, it, and I, I'll it's put this way, I'll put the, I'll put this way. There's only so many issues I can like really fo- I can be like kind of invested in and kind of read up on a whole bunch of, or I can be real. I can have like my core causes. Yeah, and everything else. It's like you know what I am on your side. I'm just I'm not gonna do the reading assignment. You just let me know which hashtag to use. Yeah. And then I have the ones where I'm like, I'm going to be read up on and I'm going to be knowledgeable on these. These are the ones I am passionate about, like comprehensive sex education in schools and like equal rights and which sounds broad and annoying, but that's from a logical standpoint, I felt like equal rights should be really simple. Um, so like I can only, yeah, so I, I don't keep up with identity politics because I'm like, I, I only have so many things I can like uh, read. I think it's interesting. I think... I think some of it is fueled by the fact that, like, I look at it similar as I'm being really cautious here because I'm kind of speaking outside. I'm being critical of stuff that I'm normally like, like. like well, you also look like 
the mayor who said something racist. Yeah, like, like you look. I'm like, a white straight guy, but you look like the white straight. <laughs> yeah, guy. I look like a Nazi. Like I look like 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 straight out of like Sound of Music. Like just <laughs> just goose stepping. Put some more beige on you, and yeah. you are yeah. You're Von Von Trapp, right? Yeah, yeah. I just you know you know working as a community organizer, I was familiar with like you I you keep throwing down your. Your progressive street cred. No. I was a community organizer. I hung out with feminists. Don't worry. I know the... Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> inside of that, it's just like I would see what gets movement done and how the giant rock of the problem, of, of the big problem that's kind of hard to describe of society gets pushed. And I look at somebody like Saul Linsky, Cesar Chavez. The, uh, he's, he's, he's a Mexican uh, farm worker unionizer. And Martin Luther King, how like those people would operate. And, mm-hmm. and Baron Rustin, I can never say his name right, but he was Martin Luther King's right-hand man until he was like, oh, you're gay, let's not hang out. And then he eventually, Rustin became an organizer for uh, gay rights in the 70s. And all these people, they didn't have that. They had their eye on a bigger project. They're very, and they, they didn't seem like very angry people and they didn't seem like they seemed, uh, I'll put it like this. I think that any political movement that is of value needs to be, needs to have a level of criticism to it and needs to have a level of deconstruction and break things down. But for everything you break down, you need to build back up. So I think that when I see elements on like, God forbid me, I'm sorry, but like Tumblr or something like that, people online who get really worked up over social issues, uh, they their focus is on calling out people, and which is great. You know, sure. people should be called out on, on their problems. And 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 I've been called out myself. Yeah, and multiple times. And uh, it just seems like there's something about the internet where all of us as people are just kind of, we're bored and anxious and weird and nervous. And it's, you get high when you get really angry online, right? Like you, ever you, feel, righteous. Yeah, you, you like, feel righteous. Ooh, I just wrote 16 paragraphs. Yeah. Man, am I right? Yeah. They're going to, I'm going to show them click. And I think this is coming from a point where like, I used to be that guy. I used to be the guy online, like with the tumblers and just yelling at people online and calling people out. And I think I burned out on that. And I feel like there's a part of it that feels very empty. And it feels like I look over at the rock that we need to push in, in progress and it's not being pushed. It's, it's just, it's just kind of staying there while we're uh, bickering at each other about like how to push and the methods to push the giant rock of the problem that we have to fix. Um, and I'm not happy about my behavior in that. And I kind of wish that um, I, I, I kind of um, think that if people are more mindful of political projects like um, like Martin Luther King's or the Black Panthers, what did the Black Panthers do? They were a critique and then they gave kids breakfast. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they, they were about empowerment and saying that uh, they're emancipatory and, and they're about saying what's beautiful uh, about blackness. Um, and they're – they're, they're, they had a rule that like every um, head of their department had to read two books a day. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's like a book a but day sure. or like two hours reading a day, which isn't that bad. Uh, well, that's still – those are the <laughs> politics I like. And you know, uh, um, and I think it just goes back to like, like – I remember right – I think I just began focusing a lot on Martin Luther King and how he practices – uh, just like immediately after the election, like everybody got really pessimistic and it got really scary. And to this day, like a lot of the news articles are just like really doom because we're in scary times and yeah. we're in intimidating times. And I think about 
like with social media, it's really easy to feel politically to feel political. Like if you're looking at the last six hours of what's been happening in the news cycle, where Martin Luther King, I don't think he would ever care. He about was the last zoomed six out. Hours. Yeah, he was looking at the next four years. Yeah, he was looking at the bigger project. He was a guy who would have gun threats fbi sending him letters asking him to commit suicide he's a guy who made a decision that like oh man this political protest isn't getting us enough attention let's send children to go out and get arrested he had dogs sent at him he he had the shit of the world and he looked at the political project of his time which is like segregated black america and then he stepped up at a podium and said i have a dream whereas i think now uh, that would have had a step. tweet. That's when we talk about identity politics and when I'm critical about identity politics and, and, and a lot of that stuff and just progressive politics in general and radical politics. Uh, we have a whole lot of pushback. We have a whole lot of um, uh, anger and reaction. We don't have a lot of people stepping up to the podium and having saying like, I have a dream. I think Obama exemplified that. I think he mm. did a great job of that. I think uh, right now there's a little bit of a vacuum and I would love to find, uh, I think just... As I practice myself as a political entity, I think um, uh, I, I, I would like to think uh, I, I would that I could step up and say I have a dream versus um, just sitting in the back and critiquing because that's what toddlers do. They break we, things down. We need less ring. people tweeting and someone to really step up and maybe not. Maybe I mean I think Black Lives Matter is a great group. You know what I mean? I think they step up, and it's it's also you can't assassinate Black Lives Matter. Yeah. I mean, you can persecute them and stuff like that, but I mean, I think they have a general. And the cops keep trying, but uh, yeah, yeah, they, it just, not... it's a Hydra's head. You cut one off, and like mm-hmm. ten more come up. Uh, and before that, Occupy Wall Street, I think it was another good. You know, it was like a it was like a rough draft prototype of like Movements. what the next thing's coming is. And I think, um, I guess at home is just like just you know. Uh, just how you think, what you think, stepping up to the podium and having an ideal and having a cool vision for the future and how to shape that. Man, I don't want to be political. I just want to do my fuck show. I'm just a chill guy. <laughs> I do it. But that's I a political just... thing. <laughs> Your show is a political thing. Oh, no. Sex is politics, right? I try to keep the bar low so I yeah. can get yelled at less. Oh, okay. That's what I've been trying to do. I've just, that's why I'm, I'm rebranding into like, fine. I'm kind of an asshole. You're more political than uh, an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> well, I'd rather. I'll, yeah. I'll put it this way: if I'm political, I'm not try. I don't. I'm not trying to be, and I'm not going to go around. Say, same reason I don't say I'm a feminist. Could be like, look, if you think I'm a feminist, good for you. I'm just going to do this thing that I'm doing. And if you say that I'm doing gender equality, well, then I guess that's what you think I'm doing. Yeah. The fact that people call me a fake feminist so much, even though I've never called myself a feminist, speaks to me. It means that, like, you must think I'm doing feminism. I, w- I want to be. I want to be. You can do I Have a Dream. No, I don't want that. Because I, I sucked at being a political organizer. Oh! I was at it. I you just lost all your credibility. I, you said like 25 minutes on like identity I like, politics. I, I was great at revolutions. the theory. I was great at the theory. You know what? You know what? Political organizing involves paperwork. That's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> Not losing a bus. And he was like, fuck <laughs> this. I'm going to go work in porn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I was John, doing both at the same time. Oh, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine getting those emails crossed. <laughs> right oh, Jesus. john we need the copy for the event and it just has uh big latina wait wait i got one more i got one more you got right. one more we could go out on let, this, let's go out on this all right, so one I read, more. Uh, again these are the 
Hallie Brooks, these were, porn. these were things you would write under the video. These were in the description, either of the video or the next political event you were organizing. Yes. All right. You don't have to travel all the way to New York or Paris to see a gallery of fine art. As today at Big Naturals, we have some of the best images to ever be captured in this Hallie Brook. This is the SEO. Hallie Brook Teen Porn Gallery. You might know Hallie Brook from the work that she has done in Footville. That's a porn site. And if you do, then you would know that this chick is really good at making porn. I was just phoning it in here. At the tender age of 18, this chick has already learned bedroom tricks that people twice her age don't know. Jesus, watch this Hallie Brooke teen porn gallery tape. And then I accidentally clicked on a link. John Field. America's comic. Has a dream. Oh, can I do promotion stuff real quick? I was about to say. Um, where where can people find you? Uh, look up YouTube. There's look up John Field show on YouTube. It's a TV show that's going to be broadcasting on the Brick Network in uh, Brooklyn uh, Cable Access, uh, starting early August. Uh, right now we have two episodes and a couple of uh, teaser trailers up. One with a friend of the show Andrea Allen doing a really mean thing to me, uh, and okay. I hope she drowns. Uh, no, I don't mean that. She's a sweetheart. And um, also, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, America's Comic. America's comic. America's comic. Inspirational, sir. Sean Field Show. Uh, I, I do enjoy that this podcast was like uh, two thirds like sexual, and <laughs> it was like one third sexual, one third heartfelt, and the last third like uh, uh, surprisingly political. Yeah, that's how that's that's the mix of me. <laughs> America's comic. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Say goodbye to everybody. Have a good one. Don't stop driving. Stop listening to us while driving. Stop. <laughs> Just hit the car next to you. Hit the car next to you. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Woo, what an episode. I hope you all enjoyed Mr. John Field. I've abandoned my boy. I've abandoned my child. (laughs) Please, I do encourage you all to go check out his show on YouTube, The John Field Show. It's all spelled exactly the way it sounds, you know, for your convenience. Uh, do let us both know what you thought about this week's episode. He is on Twitter at America's Comic. I am at the Billy Presida. I love seeing your tweets. I love getting your messages uh, about the show. For example, this one comes from at Music for My Soul Twenty Nine. She says, "Whose idea was it to listen to the happy ending episode right before bed? <laughs> like I can sleep now. Thanks a lot." Billy Persida. <laughs> uh, and this one also comes from another fan who, well, <laughs> who had access to the Happy Ending Massage bonus episode. Uh, she said, I managed to make it 24 years without ever being unexpectedly walked in on while masturbating. Ended that streak last night thanks to the Happy Ending bonus episode. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I do want to hear from y'all. Use the hashtag Manwhore Podcast so I can find out what you thought about the show. Uh, I am also on Instagram now at the Billy Presida. Go like stuff, I think, or slip in my DMs is apparently a thing people do on the Insta. Oh, how's this for an idea? Make a quick little boomerang or or short video just welcoming me to Instagram and tag me at the Billy Presida. See, that's an idea. That's a social media idea. <laughs> Uh, if, if you don't want to use Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you can shoot me a private email. I love it. Manhorpod at gmail.com. I love uh, reading your thoughts, 
getting your questions, and checking out your booby pictures. Join the conversation with your fellow fan whores on the Man Whore Podcast subreddit. There are individual comment threads for every episode, and I also like to post exclusive pictures or thoughts that are coming out of my head. I like to ask you questions. I even post links to podcasts and articles that I'm quoted in. For all you Redditors, that's r slash Podcast. Last but certainly not least, join me in the champagne room by supporting the Man Whore Podcast on Patreon. You can become an official fan whore for as little as $1 per month. Head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. Next week, got a really cool episode. I'm chatting with a roller derby chick because I checked out my first roller derby match and it was cool as fuck. And I want to I want to talk about it. <laughs> so uh, next week, we've got Whiskey Lullaby this weekend. I've got a, a fun sex party at Hacienda. But until you hear from me again, stay slutty. Stay <laughs> slutty.